Welcome to the Millionaire Secrets Podcast, where the most successful people in the world share their secrets to help you create the awesome life you desire. Welcome to another episode of Millionaire Secrets. Jeff Lerner, your host here, and I am uh, joined by Cody Hoffheim today. He is the founder of Real Estate Freedom Formula and co-founder of Utah Sell Now, and he's got uh, a smashingly successful podcast that I'm going to let him talk more about. And uh, I just got to visit with him a little bit before we hit record here. And he's just a freaking awesome guy. So Cody, I'm glad you're here, man. Appreciate it. So excited to be here, Jeff. I'm here to uh, serve however I can. Um, I, I love that uh, we connected and that we're able to do this. So let's, uh, let's definitely fire away and see how we can add value to your audience. Yeah, well, I appreciate that, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited that we connected, especially the more I do this, it seems like a disproportionate number of the guests that I have, because I'm not, I'm not aiming locally, but just a disproportionate number seem to be Utah uh, people, so I, I guess we have an entrepreneurship in the air or something around here. There is, there is, and I think it's just in general, even like big corporate America is now all moving to Utah. I mean, Utah yeah. seems to be just a thriving state right now that big corporation Goldman Sachs is now here. You got mm -hmm. Amazon moving here. You've got Adobe. You've Adobe, got all big yeah. tech companies. I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's a, it's it's a good the new, state uh, to be in. It's the new Silicon Valley, right? They call it Silicon Slopes. That's correct. It is. Yeah. So yeah, they have uh, just in Utah County, Silicon Slopes where all the tech companies are and all the startups are and doing well. It's doing really well. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a fun place to be. Um, so, and obviously, and actually, not surprising that you're in real estate because probably right along with tech, especially when I'm up north where you are in Utah County and Salt Lake, uh, I, I just meet so many people that are in real estate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Salt Lake, well, just real estate in general, right? I, I feel like for whatever reason, I'm thinking of like back to my childhood. It's like mm -hmm. everyone wants a piece of real estate. It's like almost like, American dream is like, Hey, own real estate, own real estate. And so, um, I feel like it's a great market for it. It's not just a, an asset that sits there. Some States it's like you buy it at 40 grand and it can stay at 40 grand. Utah is right. kind of cool because you get high rents, but you also get high appreciation, which is yeah. pretty unique. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, this show is called millionaire secrets, right? So we're yeah. always looking for the secret to making millions, right? And I mean, it's obviously it's broader than that. It's not just like money, money, money. There's a lot of secrets sure. just about success and empowered living. But I would argue real estate is one of the not so secret secrets. Um, I it's the, it's the greatest true. historical <laughs> creator of wealth in, in humanity. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's any secret for what real estate can do for you. And I feel like without fail, I feel like even when I host my own podcast, like I can ask them like, what got you in real estate? And I feel like it's like nine times out of 10, they all say the same book too. I mean, it's not a big secret. A lot of times they're like, oh, it's Robert Kiyosaki, yeah, Rich yeah. Dad, Poor Dad. And it's like, yes, I don't think it's a huge secret, but it's like, how many people dare to jump into it? How many people do it? But that's in entrepreneurship in general. It's right. getting out of your own way and just going for what you want to go for, right? Well, and I think real estate has this, um, you know, duality to it where the thing that makes it such an amazing opportunity, which is the leverage and the, the, the size of the pendulum that swings in a real estate sure. deal because it's just a big expensive asset is also the thing that conversely makes it terrifying for a lot of people. 
So true. Because it's we've all been trained. It's the biggest asset you'll ever own in your life is your yeah. home. And of course, there's a debate whether or not it's an asset at all to own That's a home. That's right. But, but we've been trained that it's like this big, daunting, scary thing. Sure. And so the idea of like, quote, gambling with it just terrifies people. But at the same time, that's why you can make so much money with it. I think what's a unique thing about this, and, and tell me, I mean, I know you know the online world, like the marketing world. So it, mm-hmm. may, it may coincide even in that world. But what's unique is there's so many myths out there when it comes to real estate. Everyone thinks you have to be wealthy. You have to have money to own real estate or you have to be a licensed realtor or you have mm-hmm. to have all the time in the world. You can't do this part-time. Like if something's that big, I mean, it must take all of your time. Right. And it's just simply not true. And that's probably the same that we could say with most um, just journeys when it comes into entrepreneurship is yes, at some point, do you want to jump all in? But to get started, it really isn't those myths. You don't need other than marketing dollars. You don't need to buy the home. You don't need to use your own money. You definitely don't need to be a licensed real estate agent. And ultimately you can do it part-time. And that's exactly how I started. I was broke. Like I was completely broke. And so I had to go that journey. Well, yeah, I want to, I want to dig into that a lot more. What you just said, I I will say just so we have context on this conversation. um, Yeah. The a, what you said about the internet or about real estate is also true on the internet. There's massive myths. There's massive. And I think on the internet, and this is probably true in real estate, but it's especially bad on the internet. Some of that, uh, those myths are based on large scale willful deception sure, or, or at least, uh, obfuscation. You know, there's a lot of people that want to sell stuff, but they need, it's almost like what's it? Racketeering is charging money for a solution to a problem that you create. Yeah. Uh, I think that's called racketeering. Yeah. So it's like on the internet, it's like there's this whole industry of gurus that like almost seem to collectively complicate the question so that they, then they can all sell their own solutions to the complicated question. Sure. It's, like, it's a racket, right? It is. It maybe is. I'm no different. I don't know. I like to think I've got a pretty, pretty simple philosophy about how to be successful online. But, uh, but, but for you, um, yeah, I want to, I want to uh, dig into your story because everything you just said is, is true. And it's, and, Again, for context, so I also own a couple dozen properties. Okay. By no means am I a, a real estate investor at the level that you are, but I have over the years. Um, that's kind of been my safe spot to put cash as I came by it because sure. of, you know, to maybe help debunk some of what you said. It is the place you can put money and yeah. not have to pay attention to it all the time. That's right. You know, I've bought, totally I buy stocks. I have this E-Trade account and it's like, it's like an addiction. I put money in my E-Trade account and now every morning I wake up and every 10 times throughout the day, I'm like, I need to check that. I need to check that. I wonder what the market's doing. It's like this thing that is a magnet that pulls your attention. Whereas real estate, I mean, I'm very passive. Yeah. I mean, if it burns down, the property manager will probably let me know. And even then I'll get the insurance. Like that's right. Obsessive attention about it, which is amazing. And yet you're right. People think that it's got to be this full-time thing. It's crazy. It's been fun, but I love the fact that it's, uh, I think one of the benefits is when I say passive, nothing's truly passive. Like anything that you don't monitor to some level will fall apart, but very little. You're not trading so much. Like if I'm at work or if I'm coaching a student or if I'm 
out buying property. I'm truly trading time for money where real estate, when you own real estate, it's like, it's no longer trading time for money. It's money making you money, which is kind of, that's the unique scenario that everyone's and it's, like, and it's someone else's money. money making that's right. You money. That's right. That's, that's what's true. Yeah. I mean, that's, what's crazy about it to me is, is the fact that I, you know, I'm able to buy for pennies on the dollar, the, the, I'm not able to buy a property for pennies on the dollar because I still got to pay back the rest of the dollar to the bank. Yep. But all the leverage from the rest, from the balance of that dollar, I'm able to buy for pennies. That's 100% true. 100% um, true. So, so how did you, you know, hopefully, I mean, frankly, a lot of people are listening to this probably already agree with us, but let me just, we 100% keep going. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But so tell me, you said that when you got into it, you were like broke, like now, hold on. Were you broke or were you like broke? Let's go with the latter. Let's go okay. with the latter. Like it's, uh, it's right. a very, very, uh, let's go back. Maybe let's rewind it so they can see the picture. Yeah, please. I don't know at what point and all your listeners listening right now, I don't know if there's that point that they're like at the beginning stages. And so I'll take it back to the beginning. If they're in the middle stages, we'll cover that too. But go back to 2008, 2009. Um, I'm working for my dad. I'm doing construction. I love my dad. He taught me everything I know. I got my uh, general contractor's license. It was going to be something that I just keep going on with it. Mm -hmm. 08, 09 hit. What happens? The market starts crashing. My dad's biggest account is one of the largest furniture companies in the nation owned by Warren Buffett. And my dad does all the remodels for that company. So Warren Buffett during that time shuts down all remodels and goes heavy on marketing during that time. And so instantly my dad's like all of his remodels, all of his job, all of his income started dropping. Well, my dad being the incredible dad, and I have to give credit to my mom too. Um, they're willing, they're like, well, well, we'll figure this out. We'll figure this out. They kept paying me a paycheck and I just, what, it never sat well with me. I'm like, you guys here, like you have to save this money. You can't give it to me. I'm not even working right now. So I left my dad's business and it was the hardest decision ever. I remember crying at, at their house saying, mom, dad, I can't allow you to pay me. So I go out and get a sales job selling vinyl fencing of all things. And I meet an individual who is like the best vinyl fence salesman in like the United States, which is like so unheard of, but he's here in Utah. And so I work for this company and he's working there. And instantly I just start, start thinking like, oh, I, I don't need to do like the old school R and D, like research and develop. I think that's so used back in like industrial age where now R and D is just simply rip off and duplicate. It's like, oh, totally. find someone that's already killing it and just go simply mirror what they're doing and let's get you to the level as quick as possible. For whatever reason, my mind held on to this thought. So I did it and ended up being like the rookie of the year for this company. I loved it, but I'm like, ah, oh, but I don't want to work for them my whole life. So I start insurance of all things, selling home and auto insurance. And guys, that is a game of stacking BBs. Like it is the slowest game ever. It can be great at the end, but it is such a rough beginning. I go out there hard. Like 70 hours a week is not a problem for me. I'm out there. Yeah. I have my wife and two kids at the time. And at the end of the year, $19,000 for the whole year. The whole year. And it wasn't lack of drive. It wasn't lack of motivation. It wasn't lack of, of work effort. It was just not doing maybe everything that could have been done because I tried to just do it on my own through trial and error. Yeah. And I never really had any kind of good mentorship or anything. I didn't invest in any kind of person that's been there before to show me the fast way to do it. Um, but it was brutal. It was hard. And I, I remember going home at night and here's the interesting thing. If you allow your tough times to be, um, not something that knocks you down, but teaches you 
who you're going to become and how to become someone better. You've, you've got to be going through the hard, the good times kind of make us weak. It's the tough times that make us, that make us good. And this was like our greatest time. This one, me and my wife's, our relationship, me and my wife's relationship was, was stronger during this time. We had to rely on each other. Our date night was not going out to dinner. We couldn't afford it. Our date night was going to walk around the park. And if we were lucky, we had enough money for like an Arctic circle snow cone or, or ice cream <laughs> cone or something like that. And it was rough, but it was some of the most memorable times, but we had an individual. Here's something I learned. I'm grateful. I don't know why people came into my life when they did, but an individual neighbor, a good family that we had met, that we lived in this neighborhood, he came and knocked on our door and he'd bring us like shakes or he'd bring us like cookies and taped to the bottom of the plate or taped to the bottom of the shakes. In fact, I get a little bit chills and teary during this. He would have like $500, like a thousand dollars taped to the bottom of these plates. Hmm. And it was the money we needed. We needed every penny to get by. There was more month at the end of our check every month. And this guy, for whatever reason, he knew. We didn't show it. We didn't preach it at church or that we're poor. We didn't, we didn't have like down faces. We we're always smiling. But for some reason, he knew. And he helped out. He had an incredible income. No one would ever know it. We were in a beginning neighborhood. And he taught me something. He didn't try to tell me or teach me this, but I just learned from this guy saying, Cody, give back. And there's not really anything I could give back to him. He had all the money in the world, but it taught me to pay it forward. And when I, me and my wife during that, during this time we committed, we're like, let's stay committed. And we even committed to God. We're like, Hey, when success hits, we're going to use this to bless other people's lives. And that was our whole focus. And we do it right from the beginning. We're not going to do it when we have money, but we're even going to start right now. And so little ways, just whether it's time because we didn't have much money or the very little money we did, we'd be willing to donate it to help someone's Christmas be better. And we saw this tenfold return start coming back where different opportunities would open up and doors would uh, open up and, and, and blessings would come our way. And, and here now, fast forward, I guess, 2015. So we're still... <laughs> rock bottom. It's still like high lows, not enough income coming in. When you think you're doing great, you have to hire on someone to help you manage the, the policies that you just signed up. So then it takes your income down again and you right. start all over. Um, I come home 2015 early from work. My wife is sitting in the kitchen. She's crying and it's not a soft cry. It's, it's something I, right when I walk in, I know my wife's crying. So I walk over to her and I'm like, Wendy, what's going on? And she won't look up. Her head's just sunk into her hands. And I'm like, Wendy, what's going on? And she just breaks down. She's like, Cody, I have no idea. I have no idea how we're paying our mortgage. I have no idea how we're putting food on the table this month. And think about this, Jeff, as are you a father? Yeah, I have four, yeah. four kids. Yeah. Think of this as a father. That feeling that you're like, man, I'm failing. I'm, I'm not providing my kids, my wife. Um, these were all the thoughts going through my head. I'm like, I'm failing. I'm failing as a dad. I'm failing as a husband. And it wasn't a coincidence. Maybe like a week before I'm listening to Tony Robbins of all things. And he's like doing his rah, rah, right? And I remember this for whatever reason. It's like, if you want life to change, <laughs> it's you that has to change. And if you want life to get better, it's you that has to get better. Who's with me? Say I. And I just remember that saying. And so I'm sitting there. I'm like, this pain that I'm feeling is my problem. No one owes me a better life. It's me. If I want life to get better, it's me that has to get better. If I want life to change, it's me that has to change. And Jim Rohn probably says it best. He says, rarely does a man's income exceed their level of personal development. Meaning if you want to be a millionaire, 
go build a million dollar mindset and watch your income follow it. Mm -hmm. Where most people, and I was caught in this, I was chasing the dollar. The issue is you'll always chase the dollar until you chase personal development and let the dollar just simply follow you. And this is where I was in 2015. And I happened to be insuring a bunch of investors, like a ton of them, like probably 150 of them in the state of Utah were doing fix and flips. And I had to go to a meeting that night that was a real estate investor association. And I'd go there for just simply to pick up more policies. And this guy stands up and he's like, I just found a home at like 40 cents on the dollar and I've already turned it. I found this three days ago and I've already turned it and I made 29,000. And I'm thinking, what? <laughs> like three days, $29,000. I spent 365 days for 19 grand my first year in insurance. I'm thinking I'm on the wrong side of this table. So I went up to him afterwards. I'm like, teach me. I'm ready to learn. He says, Cody, you're the personality that if you're taught right, you're going to like be my competition and blow me out of the water. And he's like, so I can't teach you. And I'm like, well, I appreciate your honesty. And I started to find a mentor this time. So I'm like, I'm not doing this by myself. I'm not trying to figure through trial and error. Trial and error. I need to just get out there and, and learn this the right way. And so it's a, it's a little unique strategy that for people that don't have money, don't have all the time in the world, it's called wholesaling. So it's basically just finding, being a deal finder. Get out there and find the deeply discounted properties. And then you can simply just sell a contract. Like if you put the home under contract, you essentially have a bunch of cash buyers that you, you build a cash buyers list and then you just sell the contract to these cash buyers for a fee. And that's how I got into the game of real estate to where I was able to do it with very little money because I had none. And uh, from there, it's just been growing ever since. And so you kind of lead and guide me where you want me to go from there. But that was the past of, of kind of the beginning before I got into real estate. Well, thanks for sharing, man. I, uh, I mean, I love stories. I feel like we could hang out for hours and I wouldn't know you as well as I know you from just hearing that story. So um, I appreciate you sharing it. And yeah, before we get into the mechanics of real estate wholesaling and, and, and frankly, if we even get into that, because yep. I think you and I probably both know a truth that's a challenging truth for, for people sometimes, but you referred to it about, uh, you know, the money is a lagging indicator Sure is. And a lot of times the business model itself is a lagging indicator. That's not the X factor in success. It's all the stuff that comes before it about personal growth, personal development. And so much of personal development I find is what you just said, which is allowing your, your pain to become your, I don't know, your privilege. Your fuel. <laughs> your fuel. Yeah. And, and, your, and your educator. Because the reality is, Allowing, if you hadn't, if you hadn't been at what felt like rock bottom, and as a man, I can appreciate, I mean, man or woman, that doesn't matter, but seeing your spouse broken down over how you're going to take care of yourself and your kids, uh, that, that sounds like pretty close to rock bottom to me. That's right. Um, and, and I've had my own version of that. But if you hadn't, if you hadn't hit that, you would have gone to that meeting and just tried to sell a bunch of insurance policies. Yes, it gave me a completely different perspective and a different yeah. set of years. Because I'm my whole time, I'm just sitting there thinking, man, don't want to come home to a wife crying again, wondering how we're going to pay the bills and how we're going to pay the next mortgage. That was front of sight, front of mind. And so I was listening with a completely different set of ears, 100% true. Yeah, and, and that, I mean, to me, that is a fairly evolved perspective, but it's also one that is kind of forced upon us only by that 
wonderful, terrible place called rock bottom. Yeah. I mean, how many stories do we hear about rock bottom being the catalyst for growth and change and to total turnarounds? And actually, it's funny. I've said this many times. You know, my story, actually, it was 2008, 2009. I guess that was the time to be broke. Hang on. This thing is like, <laughs> keeps beeping and it's super annoying. Um, that was apparently the time to go broke. It was 2008, 2009. Um, and that's where I was. And, and that rock bottom, I've often said, because people have asked me, like, I guess briefly my story. So when I got started online, I joined this affiliate marketing community and it had like 40,000 members or yeah. students that were going through this training and, you know, they were in the groups and they were chatting and whatnot. And within six months, I was in the top five in terms of production and metrics and frankly, money. Yeah. And people have all, so I've, you know, for over a decade, I've kind of gotten this question of like, what did you do? What, how did it happen? And I'm like, I was at rock bottom. Yeah. So 14 hours a day didn't sound miserable. It sounded better than rock bottom. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, living in, I mean, I was living in a, a horrible, oppressive sort of terror, you know, I mean, I'm not trying to be mean spirited, but it was my ex-wife's parents house. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was terrible, but that, you know, working on the computer for 14 hours a day didn't sound worse. It sounded better. Yeah. And so I just did what I had to do. And ultimately I gave it what it needed. And I would never have done that if I hadn't been at rock bottom. And I say all the time, oh, your problem is you just, you haven't bottomed out yet. Yeah. And yet at the same time, you don't want to wish that on people. You yes know, no, right? but you also know it may be what they need. Yeah. I'd say yes and no. It's like, yes, you don't want to wish it. In fact, I wouldn't bluntly say, man, I hope you hit rock bottom. But it's at the same time, it's like, there's times where I'm like, man, I hope you hit rock bottom. Yeah. Because um, it is. It, it's, that, it's that survival mode. You turn into survive. Survive then leads to thrive. I don't think you thrive until you survive. And, and, it, and it leads to it. In between those is adapt. There is. You know. There is. And I don't think you know what you know or what you're capable of until you go through the tough. It's the tough that re lets you realize, my gosh, I'm, I'm already equipped. I, I truly believe... Um, Every one of us has what it takes within us already. We just haven't discovered it yet. We just haven't had the right maybe experiences that have opened up what allows us to see what we're capable of and who we can become. You don't, you don't grow off comfort. At the end of the day, think of everything that's been great in my life, in your life, and everyone listening to this podcast or watching it on YouTube. You have to ask yourself, your greatest things that you've ever accomplished in life, when did they come? Did they come when it was easy or did they come when it was hard? And 10 times out of 10, it's from tough. It's, it's, yeah. it's my wife. If she said her greatest blessings are her four kids, I'll also ask her when was the biggest pains and it was delivering those four kids. Of course. Like it's, it comes from your greatest blessings, your greatest joys, your greatest successes are on the other side of comfort. Always, 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 always. So I got to ask a question. You mentioned your wife. Um, one of the things that really rung out to me in your story is that when you were at at least some, some phase of rock bottom, you said it, it brought you and your wife closer together. Yeah. Um, that's, there had to be some sort of an intention and a consciousness within that because usually you don't say, you know, money problems are the number one cause of marital satisfaction. 
You right. say they're the number one cause of divorce, right? That's right. So how were you guys able to weather that? What do you attribute that to where it actually became a, a, a growth promoter for you? Um, being on the, let's say even spiritual side, um, that was just faith-based on that. That was very much based on that we were both centered to the fact that we're going to have to lean on someone for help because we're doing all that we can and what we're doing is not enough and we needed, we needed assistance. We needed help. And so it was our faith in God. It was, it was pushing forward knowing that, hey, we, we need some other help. Like we're trying to do the best we can. We're trying to provide for these kids. It wasn't for material things. It wasn't so I could live on a big house on a, on a side of a hill or drive a Ferrari or a Lamborghini. And I'm not saying for those that want that, that that's bad. But mine was, hey, I just want to be a good provider, provide incredible memories for my kids and for my wife. And on top of that, give back. There's going to be many people. And so that's, that was our whole, our whole, I guess our whole beginning was we needed to meet the person that came over and helped us. He didn't have to, but he did. And you can't really give back money to him. The guy had more money than he knew what to do with, mm -hmm. but he taught me to just keep paying it forward, give back. And so it just started in simple ways. Tithing. I, I don't, it doesn't matter what religion you are. Tithing teaches a principle of just an abundant mindset to be always willing to give before you receive. And so we live by this principle. It's just one of those things that we did. And again, I, I don't mean this to push upon anyone Christianity, but anything like think if you went down to dinner and you saw someone that was waiting the tables and you can tell they're pregnant, they're almost about to burst to bring this, this child to the earth. And you look down in your tithing account and be like, there's $200 sitting in there. I know this lady doesn't want to be serving tables. Let's yeah. bless her life today. And you pay it forward and you give her a $200 tip. You walk out unnoticed and you walk off. I'm a firm believer that when you have that abundant mindset, find ways to dig deep to help others. The opportunity comes back tenfold. You reap what you sow. It's the law of the harvest. It just comes back. And that's been, I, I'm not, I'm not college bound. I, I never got a degree. I, I, I'm not the smartest guy. I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but I will give, I will give. And I feel like that has helped me open the opportunities that I've received. The opportunities and the blessings that I've received have come from just simply giving. Cause when it comes to book smarts, you're talking to the wrong guy. It's not me. Well, it, it sounds like you're, um, you're not smart enough. No, what's the, what's, what was I trying to say? I'm not insulting you. I'm saying, no, I, I love not, hearing these. No, you're not too smart to be successful. That's right. It's, it's, those are the principle. I think they're just small principles. Darren Hardy, one of my favorites, he talks about in compound effect, doing the small and simple things that no one else is willing to do. Mm -hmm. Consistently doing those small and simple things. When you look at people that are having big, massive success and they're having incredible results, sometimes we try to just tend to compare. Well, comparing just cages us. It doesn't do any good for us, but you look at what makes the difference. It's not any one big thing or any multiple big things. The massively successful individuals that I know all are consistent at small and simple things. And those small and simple things when acted upon consistently bring to pass those big results that everyone is like, oh my gosh, I want those big yeah. results. Just keep exactly. it simple and do them consistently. So I have a, a question, another question about you, your marriage. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I had any sense this is where we'd go with this, but it's, I mean, I'm married, I have kids. I'm an entrepreneur. I've had ups and downs. And in the last two years, I've completely reinvented myself and my business, not always in the prettiest way. So yeah. I'm interested very much. Did you guys have a sense when things were really hard 
that, hey, this, this time, this is necessary. This phase is necessary for us to, to earn the abundance that we're, that we're looking for? Or was it just like, this sucks. I can't wait for this to be gone. <laughs> it was the first one, believe it or not. So, yeah. uh, yes, I will tell you, life doesn't happen to you. It happens for you. We hear this all the time. And I, I'm a firm believer that, yes, we knew we had to go through this. We knew there was something that we were supposed to learn to become someone better and that we were never going to become the person that was, that was needed to be if we didn't accept the fact that, hey, you start here. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, we all got to start somewhere. You can have a million dollar dad that golden spoon feeds you, but at the end of the day, you're going to lose that money. They say if you, if you give a million dollars to someone that's never been a millionaire or know what it takes to be a millionaire, in no time flat, it'll be out of their hands. But you take away all the riches, you take away all the millions, all the dollars from a true millionaire, and in no time, they'll have it all back, right? So I just think of when we we're going through this time, yes, we really thought this was for us. Life is happening for us, and it did. But we tried to not focus on the money. We didn't let focus on the money be what we were looking at every time. We just thought of, okay, but what do we have control of? This is hard. This was the hardest principle I've ever had to learn. And that was only focus on what you can control. Because mm. there was so much out of my control at that time that it was very easy for me to focus on those things. Because my things that were out of control outweighed the things that I actually had control of. And we just had to focus on the small little things that we did have control of. And then little by little, we started escaping and getting out of this rat race. But we also lived a very simple life. My wife, during this time, we, we did, thank goodness, we weren't debt-free by a house, but we did own our cars free and clear. And so we sold our cars. We had like 20 grand come from a truck payment or a truck sale and a car sale. And we bought a $3,500 forest green minivan for my wife to drive in. And it was in kilometers. And then I drove a thousand dollar Honda Civic where the bumper was held on with bailing wire and it flew off on I-15. Like these are the cars we drove, but these are the little sacrifices we made so that we could make this work. We didn't have an extravagant life. We didn't try to keep up with the Joneses. We didn't go out to dinner. Friends would call us and say, hey, come out to dinner with us. And we're like, oh, we already ate. We didn't eat. We couldn't afford to eat. But we also were willing to say, no, we're not going out to dinner. So you have to be, you have to be a good steward of what you've already been blessed with. And that's hard because we didn't have much. But if you're a good steward of what's coming in, then I believe you get trusted with more that's going to come your way. And you still got to be a good steward. You still are going to be tried. You're still going to be tested to make sure that you're going to be a good steward of what you, what you get blessed with. And if you remain true to that, I believe it just keeps going because you're using that to help more individuals, not just yourself. Did you, did you have kids at that time? I did. I had, uh, I had two kids and a third on the way. We have four now, four no more. We're, we're totally fine with four. But yeah, we had two at the time. Yeah, that, that had to be, I, I have found again from, from you know, I'm com- comparative. I, I'm a dad. I, I live in Utah. I have four kids. I went through hard times. I can't help but compare uh, our experience. But a lot of times I feel like that's the hardest thing to be disciplined about is your kids. Sure. You know, you just, man, you just want to spoil them. <laughs> you do. Right. You do, and it's tough. But I think kids don't know any different. We yeah. did a gift each for Christmas. And my kids didn't know any different. I mean, they just didn't. They didn't, they just thought, oh my gosh, that's great. Christmas cave. We got this incredible gift. They didn't know that gifts were supposed to be in abundance. And I don't know if any kid does unless you set the tone that that's the way it's been. And even to this day, 
Um, I don't share this in any arrogant way, even being financially free, being debt free on my home, being debt free on my rental, being debt free on everything I own. I still do the same principle. They each get probably two to three gifts for Christmas. I don't, because all of a sudden we have this money. It's like, oh man, let's go enjoy this. Yes, we do go on vacations. We love spending money on memories. But when it comes to gifts, it's like, we still just do the same thing. We just, it's one to two gifts for Christmas and that's all my kids know. I think Christmas gifts are a pretty recent innovation anyways. I mean, for most of, since I guess whenever Christmas was established, I don't think parents immediately like, oh, got to get gifts for our kids. Somehow we, America in the last 50 years, we probably invented that idea. (laughs) Um, So while you were talking, I did look it up. I'm, I'm that guy who like when somebody says something, I'm like, I can't let it go until I go look it up. It's like a running yeah. joke in my family. According to the National Endowment for Financial Education, 70% of people who either win a lottery or get a big insurance settlement, any sort of seven-figure windfall of cash, they're broke within three years. 100% true. And that's the like, same with the NFL, by the way. Yeah. I, th- but th- I mean, three years? Come on, man. Somebody gives you $5 million. You can't make it last more than three years. But that lets you know it has nothing to do with the tasks that they're doing. It's the lack of personal yeah. development. It's the lack of financial literacy. They lost it all. Yeah, that's, it, it, I mean, that's actually pretty, pretty staggering that it happens that fast. It's, it's crazy. NFL football players, they're at the peak of their game. You'd think they have the mindset to say, hey, I need to be smart with my money. The average is about two and a half, three years is the average play time for an NFL football player. Within two years of retiring, over 70% are broke or darn near broke. That's crazy. That's a crazy statistic. Yeah. Because they, they, they're in this, they're not in a growth mindset, they're in a goal mindset. It's like, I want to get to the NFL. They get to the NFL and now it's like, there's nothing left. They, they accomplished it. Right. Where growth mindset is every day, I have to become someone better. And they, they get back and they, they're almost like, what do I do with my life? I, I'm no longer the cool guy that's, that's touching the football. Well, and, and the way you try to replace those dopamine hits, a lot of times involves blowing money. Yeah. You know, that yeah. same sensation you had when you walked on the field and there were 50,000 people cheering. Now you don't have that. So that's right. I'm going to spend money for something that, you know, gives me a rush. That's right. Um, so, okay. I gotta, I gotta ask you this then. I mean, you're, you're obviously a very different place in your life. And, and, and you mentioned that, um, you know, the pain is, is what creates the growth and the, the best things we accomplish in our life are usually coming out the other side of those hard times. So what do you do now that you, you know, superficially don't have hard times? People probably look at, at Cody and guys, he's, he's got it good now, but you want to make sure that you stop you, or you don't stop growing. You That's want right. to make sure that your, your, your greatest achievements aren't in your past. That's right. How do you sort of artificially create that same tension or, or adaptive stress or whatever you want to call it? You, you know, obviously, you're not going to hit rock bottom because you are, right. that, you've been there, done that. So how right. do you recreate the opportunity of rock bottom? So to go, to go, I always push myself. So to put in perspective, the business I have in Utah, we let's say we buy or find 10, 50 cents on the dollar homes every single month that we either fix and flip or we keep as some rentals or we sell off to other investors. We do the same thing in Dallas. And then we started thinking like, man, it wasn't about us anymore. 
So my whole focus, and I got into coaching um, in 2016, and the whole premise is behind it. Everyone's like, why are you doing this? Like your business is taking off. Why don't you just focus on business? And I couldn't stop but think of there's more Cody Hoffines out there that are coming home to a loved one that's crying, wondering how they're going to make ends meet. And I, I, I want to help those individuals. And the unique thing is when I, when I got out of debt, my whole focus was not to, not to, um, so then I could buy all these cool cars. Like I said earlier, it's, it wasn't about that. It was being debt free. I thought it would be just cool to be debt free. But when I woke up debt free the first day, I looked at my wife and I said, this is the first Monday that I've ever woke up and not thought about, I'm going to work to pay for my mortgage or I'm going to work so I can pay for the car. Or, I'm going to work so I can do this, that I simply could go coach and help students now genuinely to help them accomplish their goals. And what's unique about that, and you probably know this as well as your own business, the more you just genuinely serve people and give more in value than you ever charge in price, and it's all about them, and it's not about me. It's not about me getting paid as a coach. That's the byproduct of me just genuinely loving each and every one of my students that go through my program and helping them accomplish what they want to accomplish. And the byproduct is, yes, I get paid for it. But before I was debt-free, it was still thinking, oh, I got to get into the office because this, we got it. We have X amount of payments due this month. Once that's gone, it's not like so many times we think, oh, it's only $1,800 mortgage payment. This is stupid to get rid of. Cause if we all got an $1,800 raise, is that game changer? Like, no, it's not a game right. changer, right? Like $1,800, but it's more than that. Because the moment I genuinely just started serving my students and not worrying about me, but worrying about them, that's when my coaching business quadrupled. That's when my income quadrupled. Mm. And it was no longer about me. It was about individuals. So what do I do to stay uncomfortable? I make sure I do everything I can to help students that are Cody Hoffines out there that are living paycheck to paycheck, that are coming home to a loved one that's crying, wondering how they're going to make their next mortgage payment. There's plenty of us out there. It's not embarrassing to say many of it. They say 67% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck and only have $800 or less to hold them over to the next paycheck. That's a big market for me to go out and serve. And that was my goal was behind coaching was I, I can't keep this to myself. I've got to help more individuals be able to obtain this and do it in a way that's sustainable as well. So they're good stewards and that they can pass it on in the future as well. Well, I, I hear, I hear the discomfort because that's an uncomfortable statistic. That yeah. statistic makes me very uncomfortable as a fellow right. human being. And it's, it's one that I, I, I refer to all the time, you know, the, the rate of savings in this country. And yeah, I mean, most people are one, one bout with COVID away from yeah. losing their, you know, potentially losing their house. Or, I mean, it's, it's, we don't have a lot of cushion in this country. That's right. So, so let's, can we, I mean, is it, is it productive to talk mechanics at all? If somebody like was like, oh, I like the sound of this. What do I do? Or is that a pointlessly big conversation? And the answer is go find me online and, and I'll teach you. <laughs> Definitely do that. I think it'd be hard to break it down in the time that you would want to break down the mechanics, but definitely they're more than welcome to reach out to me and, and find me. Uh, it's very easy to do. But the main thing is this, no matter what you do, do what you love. I know there's plenty of listeners right now that are like, I just don't have it for real estate. I think it's fantastic to know that because I think to be successful, part of that is also doing something you're passionate about, doing something you love. And maybe start with just a simple brainstorming. What if money was a non-issue? What would I wake up and do every day the rest of my life? 
And I can promise you there's a way to take that knowledge, that passion, that love that you have and monetize it. I can promise you that. I know it sounds crazy, but think of anything. There's, there's people out there. I just met a 23-year-old. He was just on my YouTube channel. This is crazy. A 23-year-old makes rings. He's in high school and he's like, hey, I'm going to make rings and make money. He's going to do $3 million this year making rings on a lathe that cost $500 from, um, what's the, Harbor Freight. On a lathe in his garage, he's making these rings and he's going to make $3 million this year. There's not one probably person listening is being like, no way would someone make $3 million making plastic rings and metal rings. He's doing it. He's 23 years old. Why? Because he's wildly passionate about making rings and he's found a way to deliver it in a way to an audience that they're like captivated. He does the green lantern and he makes it these special rings that glow in the dark and all this stuff. And he's wildly successful. He's 23 years old. And I just had him on the channel. I'm like, I have to point out to people like, who would have thought making dinky rings was going to make this guy a millionaire? He's a millionaire. So what are you passionate about? Follow your passion and you can monetize your passion. I can promise you that. You're just not thinking outside the box on how to do it. A 23-year-old found out how to do it. But if you want to learn about real estate, it's all, well, I should say in general, is you need to just be, be willing to fail your way forward. Don't build perfect plans. Quit getting on YouTube University and stuck in this analysis paralysis. Be willing to take massive imperfect action. Don't wait for perfect plans. Perfect plans don't exist. Fail your way forward. And that will, that will give you more training than any coach, any mentor could ever do. $3 million making plastic rings. Yes, I, <laughs> I applaud him. So, but here's the thing that I think is, is in, inherent in what you said. Like you, and, and I tend to agree that you can monetize your passion and build a great life doing just about anything. But I want to I add an if statement. Okay. If you're enthusiastic, I find that the great differentiator, because I mean, I, I incubate aspiring entrepreneurs. That's yeah. my, my business, Entrepreneur, Entre Institute, right? Like we yeah. take people that like, I want, this, I want this outcome. I want freedom. I want flexibility. I want, and we're like, okay, well, here's how you do it, right? Here, or here's some, some guides for you to be able to do it. And I look, so I have a pretty big data set to say like, well, who is successful and who isn't? Yeah. I don't find successful people that aren't enthusiastic. That doesn't mean you have to have some, you know, giddy, boisterous personality. But like when you talk about monetizing your passion, I think it's important to make a distinction between passion and interest. Yeah. Not enough to have an interest. Passion like burns hot. That's right. And, and, and I think a lot of times I see, and I don't really know, maybe you can talk about that. And, I'm, and well, first of all, do you agree? Have you experienced that with your students that like the people that are on fire are the people that make it and, and people that are kind of lukewarm, like how are you going to enroll anyone into your, your vision? That's right. And yes, a hundred percent, like you've got to, you've got to, you've got to put some energy into it, right? It's not to say that maybe lower energy people can't do it. You can do it. Um, but statistically speaking, yeah, pop in some energy, pop some enthusiasm into it, fall behind it. I, I think of my successful students that are, are running through the program now. Um, if there's anything that they have in common, it's, 
it's the fact that I guess they're willing to, to go to instruction over education. Education is what got our, our nation into $1.3 trillion of national debt. That's yeah. nuts. But instruction is like today's day one, go do this. And here's how you're going to go do it. So they, they adapt that. The other way I, I would say is surround yourself with incredible people. So if you lack the enthusiasm, let's go to a perfect example of this. How many would actually like to sit down with Warren Buffett or Bill Gates? Like, don't get me wrong, wildly successful, wildly rich. I don't know if I'd care to sit down in the room with them, to be completely honest, because I feel like I would have a funner conversation talking to this glass of Perrier. I don't mean that rude to them. I just, I don't find them at all like inspiring to me and I don't feel like they're energetic, right? Mm-hmm. But, but are you willing to surround yourself with people that are better than you? Those individuals did. That's something they did right mm-hmm. was they surrounded themselves with better people. So think of Jim Rohn, Jim Rohn, the average, you're the average of the five closest individuals you spend the most time with. If you're not the energetic person, well, then you better surround yourself with someone that's the energetic person. So you might be the nuts and bolts person, the person that's more detailed, but you better get the visionary, the one that's going to be out there finding the opportunity and can see the opportunity and has the way to be a good voice for the opportunity. And then you're like, awesome. You do that. I'll put together this. So if you're not the one that's going to be out there and be the visionary and you're more the detailed person, fantastic. But couple yourself. You're the average of the five closest individuals you spend the most time with. That means if you want to be a millionaire, take advice from a millionaire. Don't take advice from a $30,000 salary. They haven't accomplished it yet. So they, they, they can't give you the value you need. If you want to be spiritual, go hang out with someone spiritual. If you want to be a good dad, go hang out with someone that's already a good dad. Because mm-hmm. the likelihood of you hanging out with people in the destination that you want to be at, if you go hang out with them, you're going to see they live principles. You're going to see that they have habits that you may not be living or you may not have. But as you live those same principles, as you live those same habits, the likelihood of you becoming them becomes a reality. You know, it's cool. I think unintentionally we've, we sort of bookended this conversation with a reiteration of the same point. You said earlier that we live in an era now where it's not about R&D. It's about, I forget exactly what you said. Yeah, rip off and duplicate. <laughs> yeah, rip off and duplicate. And you kind of just said the same thing. Like surround yourself with people that have the result that you want so that you can naturally osmose their way yeah. and start to emulate them. That's right. Um, it really is. It really is true. And by pure coincidence, this is like, we could not have planned a better segue. Uh, so I have this little ebook I wrote called the millionaire shortcut, and I'm going to do a big reveal and tell you that the shortcut is to find people who are millionaires that did it in the way that you want to do it and copy them. That's the shortcut, but still get the book. Um, in fact, I will say this, if you'll go to millionairesecrets.com forward slash Cody H and uh, you can download a free copy of that book and, and subscribe to the podcast and our, our YouTube channel and all kinds of good stuff. And uh, we'll know that you, you came, here from, came there from Cody's episode. Um, that, speaking of come there from Cody's episode, Cody, how can the world come enroll into your world? If they're hearing this. So definitely follow me. I'm very heavy on Facebook and Instagram. So it's just Cody Hoffine. Hoffine spelled H-O-F-H-I-N-E. And then you can always look me up at CodyHoffine.com. And you can start to get inside my world and, and see what it is I do. And I'm always here to serve. So whether someone thinks I'm the fit or not, I'm still here to serve you guys. So that's always been my, that's always been my, 
My mission behind this is regardless if I'm an option or not, I'll still stay here to serve you and help you lead and guide you. And wherever you need to be pointed to, I'm, I'm surrounded by incredible people. I'd be glad to say, hey, it doesn't sound like we're a fit, but it sounds like you want to do this. And I know someone that's in that industry that's killing it. And I could definitely forge on. So I'm always here to serve. That's awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you have, you have served well. I know that our audience is going to get a tremendous value out of this conversation. And I appreciate you being a guest on Millionaire Secrets, man. Yeah, thank you. And really, the honor's mine. Thank you for putting this together. I appreciate that uh, your goal in life is to help people see that these secrets really aren't a secret. These secrets are just, it's, it's having the ambition to just follow these step-by-step -step principles. I was listening to a few of these podcasts. And I just, I'm pretty sure of people like you that would gather something together so that an audience can, can just come to one location and say, hey, if I just consistently listen to these episodes, I'm going to learn new principles that are going to make me think differently and think better and become a better individual. So thank you. Yeah, of course. Amen. Your, your income will never exceed your level of personal development. I, uh, I appreciate it, Cody. We'll uh, hopefully have you back. All right. Take care. Take care. You just finished this episode of the Millionaire Secrets Podcast. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please like and share this episode and do leave us a review. Let us know how we impacted you today. Your next step toward creating your awesome life is to join me and thousands of others in the Entra Nation community where you'll receive free training, networking with other awesome life seekers, access to live events, discounts, merchandise, and other awesome perks head over to www.entrenation.com. That is www.entrenation.com and join us today. And of course, do please follow me on social media. I can be found on all the major social networks at Jeff Lerner Official. Thank you again for listening and please go be awesome.